Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. actually my first in-person interview, but the space that we're in carries all of this hauntology that we absolutely have to explore to be able to really get into the kind of work that Rudy does. So Rudy, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi everybody, I'm Rudy Zanzibar Campos, and I'm a Houston-based body painter and special effects artist, and I also do uh, adult content and film adult content, create a very niche market for monster monster and creature content based off of uh, cartoons and uh, anime hentai right so in case you didn't know anime and hentai hentai in general is a term that is used for porn of animation so basically if you see any kind of like japanese animation stuff and you've ever wondered what it would be like to fuck one of those characters hentai is there for you and rudy is there for you to provide you that kind of content and there is a huge online media kind of platform that does all of this and big groups of people that get together and do it just like the furries have their conventions hentai also has its own very extreme following and rudy has a very specific set of skills that go along with creating not only the prosthetics but the paint and the whole setup to give you that kind of porn yeah so uh i've been very blessed that i was able to take my skills of 15 years Ooh, oh. world um and I get to do a project that I finally wanted to do for many years. I just, because of the nature of the content, I felt that I didn't know how to get into it. And then if I did get into it, I would have to build up my reputation so people would know um, that this guy could care less about naked people and more about his art. <laughs> so why don't you get us started with like, you got started doing body paint and you were mentioning that you were very new, but oh, then obviously yeah. there's some kind of like, box that gets opened up when people are literally naked in front of you and the conversations can kind of flow more naturally. So, yeah, that's, that's really, um, I blanked out for a second. So I started body painting probably in 2004 and I didn't really get started until I moved to Texas. So around, um, 2000, the end of two, the beginning of 2008. Was, was when I really got into it. I moved here, I didn't have any friends. I met a photographer who lived down the street from me and she'd seen a couple of my body paints and said, you wanna start shooting some stuff? And that inspired me to start doing it every single week and practice more and more. And I was very shy about it because I was like, this is kind of weird, who's gonna come? Like, I was living in not the greatest part of town, so I was like, and I asked my college friends, I was like, hey, and they'd come over and they'd let me paint them and I got practice with them and then I worked at a theatrical costume store and a guy came in and he became one of my best friends at the time and gave me my first shot working at a nightclub here where they would have a big themed party at once a month and I could do anything I wanted and that gave me more practice. And over time I got hooked up with an entertainment agency and I would provide uh, corporate makeup for their aerialists and Cirque du Soleil style makeup so I was able to do that and practice and over over time I got more and more experience and if you looked at my artwork 10 years ago to now it's completely like it's you'd be like oh my god that's horrible yeah well probably not horrible but maybe bad. more commercial it was bad 
then now you have something that is completely authentic. In fact, that's how I came to know you because a photographer that I work with loves your work so much. And she said, if you ever get in with Rudy, then I will do the shoot for free. Sweet. So, Sweet. Just so you know that. Free awesome. stuff is always good. Always good. Um, so how did it go from you're creating this art and making prosthetics and doing kind of special effects looking stuff for events to COVID hits, bam, porn content creator? So two years ago, I really started toying around more and more with the idea of wanting to do this project. Um, I grew up on science fiction. <clears throat> I grew up on hentai. Uh, I got uh, lectured about hentai from my parents. Like, you can't do that. Not on this computer. Um, <laughs> There's I, things that can not be done with people. And I, I might have like taken my mom's credit card at one point in time when I was younger, and I, I bought the subscription thinking it was like like it wouldn't be found out. Right. And they found out my mom for a long time would take her purse with her into every room. <laughs> <laughs> now my parents know everything about me, so they um, they know that I do porn. They do, or adult content, I, I call it, but they're like, it's porn. And I'm like, it is. They know that I have a, a dildo business, so I make custom dildos. And they're very proud of me. They they just like, What's not they're, they're, they're very supportive. They're the ones that sent me to makeup school because I didn't want to do college. Um, or I did some college. college. Yeah, I did yeah. some college and then I said I didn't want to do it. My dad was like, you need a trade, go to makeup school. I was like, really? Sweet. Um, is this the same as cosmetology school? No, or do they have it's, a, whole it's a completely different thing. So it's not cosmetology school. These are usually like technical programs. They can be like one year, two years, four years, depending on what school it is. I went to like a one year uh, place, no longer around. It was in Orlando, Florida. And I learned the way they get you is you have to take the initial program to qualify for the special effects program. So I had to learn from beauty makeup to uh, special effects. So I had no idea how to apply mascara or anything. And they test you that first day. They go, okay, let's see everybody's skills. And luckily the young lady who was in front of me goes, she pointed stuff. To what it's called. Yeah, that's the eyeliner put on my eyes. And I was like, thank God. Um, <laughs> that's funny, but that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a lot of uh, people in our society that live masculine roles never have exposure to makeup at all, of any kind. So all, all I knew was like theatrical, not theatrical, but um, monster makeup. So I had no idea what how to put blush on or anything. Right. And it and I got into it for a while, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. So I stopped and then people give me makeup all the time and I was like, I'll take it. And then now doing what I do. I'll also take it if you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I now am able to get to do everything I learned. So with these monsters, it's finally, uh, so going back, I, I would read a magazine called Heavy Metal Magazine. Okay. And um, it's a, an illustrated science fiction or magazines that was released in the late 70s, and they still have it. It comes out twice a month. It has stories and comics from all around the world from famous artists, and they translate them to uh, Latin America, Europe, uh, German, um, French. So whatever country they're in, they translate it in there. So this magazine is very famous, but they have a lot of monster girls in there, every couple issues, and great illustrated and women. And by monster girls, you mean? Like the, the hentai girls that they're... Because um, it was animated. It, it, it was, yeah. But were, were they sexy? Did they have yeah. big boobs, little they, waist? They, were, they, they came in all actually different shapes and sizes depending on the artist. But they were all, you know, the ones when there was an issue that had a female monster girl, they just looked so cool. You know, they have different color eyes and have horns coming out of their head. And, you know, just amazing magazine. Uh, if you can, pick it up, buy it, uh, support, support them. Yeah. But that inspired me, and then anime inspired me, and cartoons and, and uh, American cartoons inspired me. 
it just I waited for a long time. So uh, about two and a half years ago, I was in a relationship with a young woman that was a traveling model, and she was a cosplayer, and she did a lot of content. And she, my idea originally for Monster Girls was just an art book. I just wanted an art book, and she goes, I think you can really put it on maybe Patreon or have your own website. And she was the one that really supported me. That was like, I think you're ready, and I think. You there's know, a market for this. There's a market for it, and she, learning about how the erotic content world works through her, I was able to start there, and she actually hooked me up with a couple of traveling models that would come into town when we were hosting them, and say, this is my boyfriend, this is who he is, um, would you be interested in doing this project? And that helped me out a lot. And then me approaching my friends, I felt like I was, again, back when I was 21, going, hey, do you want to get naked for this thing? Um, it was me going, hey, you know, I know that you're, you know, you dance, you do erotic content. I was wondering if you'd do it for me, and like, this so by erotic content, you mean cam shows or just pictures online? It's pic. It goes the whole set is pictures, so it goes from a process video, selfies, uh, both safe for work selfies, not safe for work selfies. The entire picture set, which goes from a, an out the monster girl, like if they're real, real people, going from an outfit to stripping to then a naked photo shoot as if they were naked, you know, like, like. And do you have to get in like vulvar folds and everything to be able to get paint everywhere? Because your girls are totally painted. I get, I get, yeah. So I, you gotta get the only, the only, the shots. only thing that I cannot get into is like the butt crack because the friction. It comes right off. It, it comes right off. So oh. every now and then like we, like if, because these shoots take 12 hours and I don't, I do them by myself and like I get worn out by the end. Uh, sometimes one of uh, one or two of my monster girls have come in as my assistant, which helps out a lot. And they are they're there mostly to go, hey, selfies or hey, butt crack, or help me move stuff because they see that by the end I'm just exhausted. Yes. Um, but yeah, butt cracks are the the, the only ones. What so about under boob crease? Under boob crease, it just depends on the size of the breasts. Um, if I like, if we're doing shots where they're stretching up. I'll save those and say, well, let's save those and then, and then, and then spray them. And yeah. it just depends. And then sometimes we're all tired and we're like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Like, whatever. No one like, needs to see that. And, and it's like, and if you, they see it, come on. What, what are they going, oh my God. Oh, they're not real monster girls. <laughs> Illusion <laughs> broken. <laughs> right, the fourth wall. Yeah. I got it. Um, so, okay. So, but then at some point it went from we're doing this stuff to we're going to create content heavily through this pandemic to kind of get us through. And then I think from what I know that it kind of blossomed into this bigger thing than you expected maybe. Yeah, I, um, I started off this year going through a breakup and I was just like, no more Monster Girls or once a month. Like I, yeah, I was like, well, you know, I gotta focus again on my real company. It's called RCC Creations. And that's safe for work body paint. That's what built my name in like 15 years. and. I have to focus on corporate events and galas and everything and my Etsy store and Monster Girl will just kind of be your playtime. Yeah, our creations will fund Monster Girl for that to grow. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, I have to make money. And it took me like three weeks. I was like, just puttering around in my workshop and I'd sleep here and I would be like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? My money was running out. And then I was just like, let me just heavily make, like, let me see who, who and, it, it hit me that a lot of people were joining OnlyFans and Bitbox and Gumroad yes. and Minivids, and I reached I don't know out. Any of those. Yeah, no, there's there there are other there are other platforms. And um, these are all 
sex and sex work positive sex. Yes, okay, completely. Um, and then I had friends that are on Chatterbait. So I reached out to a lot of my friends who had OnlyFans or made rock content or were dancers because the clubs closed down. I said, hey, do you want to help me help you help me? And we teamed up, and I know everyone was like, stay at home, stay at home, but I had no other income. Right. So I reached out to... you weren't to, throwing parties. Yeah, no, yeah. It, was, it was work. So I reached out to a small group of models that I had worked with before, and they themselves were only quarantining themselves at the house. So the only right. place that they came was, or go was grocery store and here. And we created content, and we, we busted out a lot of stuff, a lot of fun ones. Like, we did a Super Bowl one called Beast Bowl. And I had like five monster girls up here and we blazed out a bunch of sets and we took pieces everywhere and we didn't have any green astroturf. So we used a red carpet and say, well, you know what, if anybody asks, in the monster world, grass is red. Yes. And yeah, that, 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 that one was a blast. And um, so we started, I, and then because of the new studio I'm in, the, the building has a lot of throwaway props that people just throw away uh, the floor that I'm on. So I was able to mash together more stuff than I could when I had that home studio. And the set started getting bigger and it inspired me that the quality of the Monster Girls were no longer gonna be just on a flat background. I wanted them to have sets. I wanted them to have accessories. I wanted them to, the, the for the picture to be its own scene and world with lighting and atmosphere. So that way people could go, okay, cool. That's, that's a Monster Girl interacting in, in a set. And it allowed me to be as artistic as I wanted to be, not just hair, makeup, I got to style the wigs how I wanted. It just started getting bigger and bigger. And, but then I started having to set rules for my shoots, you know, only X amount of money can be spent on a set. Um, I, at the beginning of the year, I was like, only one Monster Girl shoot uh, a month because I have so much backlog that I have to edit. When the pandemic hit, I was just pumping out Monster Girl photo shoot week after week. And, I'm very blessed that all my, a lot of the models, it started out with friends, who a lot of them were like, hey, you did a favor for me a long time ago, or you did that thing together, let me do this for you. So they've all believe in the project and they've all helped me out, I'm very blessed for that. So when pandemic hit, I made sure that, uh, in my model release contract, it says bring a couple outfits and I'll shoot sets that are yours and you keep them. First year I did it, no one took me up on it. They were like, nah, I don't need it, I'm just do this for fun. Okay. Pandemic hit. Yeah, people were like, if you can shoot a set for me, I was like, whatever you'd like. You helping me with this, bring a costume. I have all the wardrobe too, if you want me to pump out a video and a bunch of sets, and that day they get they get sent to you and I delete them off my hard drive. Those are for you on your OnlyFans or whatever platform right. you're using. But, and it was a trade, and um, I mean, it, People helped me out. I mean, one of my friends was like, can you acquire a, a venue for me uh, so I can do Chatterbait one night? And I was like, you got it, bro. Um, so whatever I could do to help them out since they were helping me out, but it was just, it, it's been a lot of fun. Crazy, I mean, so do you find that the clients you're getting, because all of your stuff, and to be clear, it's not all content that is single person. Some of it is like actual porn with like videos, right? Every set has a video. Every set has every, a video. Every set has a video. A lot of it is solo girl with a toy. Like masturbation uh, toy. Oh, let's bring out the toys oh, so yeah. people get an idea yeah. of what kind of toys we're talking about. So part of what was uh, the inspiration is to create these toys that would be monster dildos and not just regular I, dildos I, to use for these sets. It actually, I last year, 
we were talking to, I was talking to one of the models and we were trying to figure out budgeting and going, well, I can't afford, the, uh, Bad Dragon, it's a fantasy dildo company. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't afford $150 for everybody. And they go, why don't you make your own? And my friend was like, you make them, I'll test them. And cool. We'll see. And with my skills from special effects, I was able to do it. I made it for the girls. But I was like, I'm not going to sell these. Like, who's going to want to buy, like, from some artists, whatever. And during the pandemic, I went live streaming on Facebook because I had nothing else to do. And I was showing everybody mixing glitter and stuff into the silicone to just test out some theories. Mm -hmm. And that day, people were like, is that thing for sale? That thing's really cool. Is it so for how sale? many orders have you filled so far? Um, probably 100. That's that, but that first, and then, But within the first week, I didn't realize. I put a picture on there, and it got shared 500 times. And then I started getting fan following for the stuff on Facebook from all around the world. And a lot of cam girls, a lot of content creators, which is really cool. So like my algorithm now is content creators. And uh, I was like, in oh, that first day I was like, I'm really not gonna sell, I'm not gonna. The next day my car got towed. And I was like, how am I gonna get, and I messaged the three girls that were the first people and I was like, I can put that order right now in. And they sent the money immediately and I was able to get my car out of, out of out of like the tow yard, and after that, I was like, I'm selling dildos. Yes. Um, so the first design was this one right here. And describe it because not all of my patron members can see our video. So, so this it is a fantasy dildo. It has the shaft and the base of it has a lot of little bumps on it. Um, so it's textured, and the underside of the shaft is sculpted to look very much like a, the scales of the stomach of a snake, and the head of it is slightly pointed. Um, but so the head is bright fluorescent pink with pink glitter in it and then the actual body is a translucent white shaft that has um, glitter in it and then when you hit it with UV it glows so it's it glows neon pink yeah it's pretty awesome and then the, the the glitter that I use inside of it is cosmetic glitter and it is UV and I'm gonna bring it forward so the ones that do pay for the membership can then see a little bit more of the detail. Oh my goodness, that looks huge on camera. I mean, it's, it's, it's this is a well-endowed monster. It's really crazy because some people, like I had my friends look at this and, they, and some of my friends were like, oh yeah, that's, that's pretty good, I can take that. And other people were like, oh my God, that I'd have to like really train but myself we're working, for that. We're working, we're yeah. working. Yeah, um, and then. But so is the experience with most dildos, to be yes. honest. Right? That's why men feel that they have tiny penises because the entire dildo industry has like really yeah. large dicks I, that we have now assumed are average Actually, size. like that brings a good story. So these dildos, they are girthy and they're longer. And I had a performer who was a friend of mine who on the outside world, not monster related, she and I had, um, we've been sexual. We've had sex before and it was amazing. Um, <laughs> And highly recommend. Highly recommend. And during a shoot, now this was an idea that I've been playing around with, but I was like, eh, whatever. But during a shoot, she tried the dildos and she goes, I can't do this. They're really big and I, I just can't. And I made an offhand joke going, <laughs> well, what? You want, me to like, no. you want me to like get in the video with you or something and like help you out? And she shrugged and was like, yeah, that's cool. And I was like, I am in. For re I'd only shot one other video where I released the content with me in it. It didn't have my face or anything. And I was like, for real? Because I've been like sweating and I've been doing the workshop thing and I don't have any good clothes. She goes, yeah, like, 
figure something out. So I went and changed into a really cool anime shirt and some jeans and luckily the place that I'm in had some mascot heads and she was painted like a tiger so I found a tiger mascot head and I popped it on my head and we shot a whole scene and towards the end I was I just told her I'm like hey I'm gonna have to tell you something you're you're gonna have to like fake the end of it and like ah, 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 and moan it out for two reasons it is a thousand degrees in my workshop and then I'm wearing, I'm wearing clothes and then a mascot head that I just sprayed with Lysol inside of it. And then reason number two, the big one, she's like, yeah, what's up? I go, the stripes of your tiger body paint are really like getting all over my anime shirt. This thing's brand new. It's got a girl with big boobs on it. It's, it's a white, black and white. Like I'm gonna have to rush this thing down to the laundry downstairs. So yeah, let's get this done because Sure. <laughs> and she's like, wow, wow, you really don't care about porn. And I'm like, no, no, porn is awesome. So sexy. So, I win. So sexy, bro. But my clothes is what's up. Um, but uh, that's what led me to uh, being on camera. And then I had a soul search on why I wanted to be on camera. So second dildo, actually that's the third dildo. Second dildo is cybernetic. This one uh, still has to be seamed. What does cybernetic mean? So robotic. Okay. So robotic. And it is probably six and a half inches, seven inches long, eight inches with the base, and it is textured to look very robotic. Yes, definitely. This one is a... Lots of ridges. This, lots of ridges. Looks like a spaceship. Um, this one is actually a giveaway prize for a contest winner that I did last month. They get all three dildos uh, and they entered the contest, so it, it was really cool. Now this design usually is glow in the dark fully, so it's usually green or solid blue. But for this one, we did a custom one that's gonna be different colors. And then the third one that I was really proud of. This is very exciting, I've never this seen one, like this. This one is called the Skullfucker. And it is, now I've, uh, I'm gonna put this up over here. Actually, I'm gonna turn this light down for one second. And this actually, glows in the dark and the phosphorescent powder that we use in the silicone, once it's charged in fluorescent light fully, it'll stay on for about 45 minutes. That's amazing. So it's glowing right now because you just put that light on there yeah. and the glow stayed even I'm, outside. Of I'm really light. trying to do the science behind this dildo thing. I, I, I've looked at other companies and how they make theirs. And because, again, special effects, um, I have friends that have let me borrow. So now we're gonna start degassing the, the silicone so there's not a lot of bubbles in the, and it'll make it more dense science. Um, that's amazing. That we're using so science. this one is my favorite because I sculpted. I really wanted something very fantasy related. So there's a skull base where the balls would be, uh, a textured ribbed shaft, and then the head of it is a very little, it's a skull head. It's almost like alien. It's very H.R. Geiger. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I found out is people don't actually like the skull to be skull colored or natural colored. Um, what I've, people, it was a new thing, experience of getting into the dildo business. People want bright colors, cotton candy mixes, things like that. So once I started doing the skulls and UV colors and cotton candy colors, they, they, sold. they sold. So what's interesting is the fact that traditionally, like old Texas law actually says that you cannot have a sex toy that looks reminiscent of a penis. So you are not supposed to legally have 
um, skin colored sex toys in Texas, according to like the kind of laws that we don't give a fuck about anymore. There's a lot of things that are illegal that right. I've done. So well, of course, especially the laws that are ridiculous, like bringing a horse to a bar or something. Well, but you can't do that. You cannot do that. Just well, no, Western Westerns have really. Yeah. Uh, we really tightened up. Yeah. But um, so the tradition of bright colored dildos is like oh. really old, and I think really conditions people to feel more comfortable they, with shiny toys. Yeah. No, I didn't realize it until people started asking for customs going. Can you make this uh, a, like a, a pastel blue and pink because all my toys I get are pastel blues and pinks. Oh, right. People have collections and some people are like, I use some of them and then one person showed me their crates of, and I'm like, that's like $3,000 worth of like yeah. fantasy bespoke toys. Yeah, my collection is thorough. Actually, I'm gonna have to bring some of these. It's, I would love to buy one of everything so that I can actually give them away. To done, them. yeah. But then I'd like to have some too for Sweet. myself, because why not? Question, how yeah. much are you charging for these toys? So, um, I had to kind of look at the pricing of not big manufacturers, but the mom and pops dildo companies. Like, Bad Dragon has grown to its popularity, it's known around the world. But there are other smaller companies that I found on Twitter that make fantasy dildos. And like, the, for the size, they're priced between 85 to 120. Mm -hmm. And that is about the standard rate in the industry for dildos of that size, and fantasy dildos. Um, and it's pretty awesome. Do you find that people are wanting to use these toys? Yes, for the novelty, but also because of the fetish of wanting to do the whole monster setup thing and yeah. like monster dicks. Uh, I, a lot of the followers for the dildos are fans of their furry fans, their hentai fans, their monster fans. You just and then they just go, I want that in collection and I want to use it in our video because it'll fit my aesthetic. Does it come? Do any of them come? in the type of base that you could attach to a strap on? No, not yet. So because this is a fairly new thing, I'm still working out new designs. There's a gentleman that I've worked with in the past that 3D prints things for my other projects, and he is, he is a super brain. He's an engineer, and on the side he does art and everything, and projects like this, he, when I've approached him about stuff, he's like, this is what I like. And I've talked to him about 3D printing stuff for harnesses so that way yeah. we can fit them to these and then eventually having suction cups. Um, the one, there's a dream project of mine that I'm working on and it's going to be candy themed dildos mm -hmm. and I really want to go with those. So why don't we start a GoFundMe about it? Maybe? I think the GoFundMe would be an awesome idea because some of the, some of the things that I want for this line of candy themed dildos, I've been thinking about it is um, I do need more than just the dildos. I need packaging for it. Yeah. And what I want for the dildos that I make is I want them to not only be, you know, something people want and can use, but I want them to be collectible. So I, I grew up with action figures and trading cards as a kid. And I want it's something that is released. And once it's released, it may not be released again for a while. So I want them to be like, oh, I have to have that one, you know. Uh, you know, so that way, yeah. years from now, people are like, oh, you have a. Uh, 2021 uh, Tootsie Pop. Wow, those are hard to find now. <laughs> that sounds amazing and definitely something that I want to be a part of. So if I can support you in other ways or be involved, I am in. That would be amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. So thank you so much for listening. Please check out Rudy and all of his stuff. Give us your spiel about where people can find you. So you can find me on Instagram at my pet monster girl and on Twitter, my pet monster girl. Uh, there's an underscore at my pet underscore monster girl and on OnlyFans at my pet monster girl and Bitbox. 
So, yeah. so and please stay tuned for um, definitely some kind of GoFundMe thing that we're going to work on because that sounds like something we absolutely have to bring to fruition. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening, and I'll check you out next time. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.